lots better than this. Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of this Wednesday episode of the show. No Kyle Krabs today. My guy living in Delaware. They experienced some weather on Tuesday morning, and uh, Kyle's without power. The estimates say that he will be without power until Friday night. Let's hope that doesn't happen. That's a long time uh, to not have power, and uh, he's had it. He's not had power since 9:30 yesterday morning. So I'll be steering the ship today. Maybe for the next few days, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens with Kyle. Hopefully. They uh, under-promise and over-deliver when it comes to that timetable for restoring power. He's okay and healthy. His wife is okay and healthy. His home is fine. He just doesn't have any power. Um, So what we're going to do today is talk about a couple of different things. I want to get into Micah Parsons and the other early opt-outs of the 2020 college football seasons and declarations for the 2021 NFL Draft. I have an NFL question that was asked to me, and I have some takes on it. And then, uh, depending on time, I have some of your takes on takes that have been sent in um, that we weren't able to get to on the live shows that I thought were pretty good. So that's what we're going to do here today, and we'll first start with the big news that Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons has opted out of the college football season and will declare for the 2021 NFL Draft. This is reported by Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. And uh, this is a big one, folks. Micah Parsons enters the year as the number three player on the Draft Network's big board for the 2021 NFL Draft, we have Trevor Lawrence, number one, Pine Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon at number two, and then Micah Parsons at number three. I mean, we think he's a special football player. And I know that we can debate the value of the importance of the linebacker position, but um, when you strip away positional value, I mean, there's no question about it. He's a top three talent in this class. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think that linebacker is more important than ever before. Um, The way NFL offenses are attacking with pace and space, horizontal spread, I mean, there is just a lot on these guys. You have to be able to flow laterally. You have to be able to be physical and attack downhill and play into the line of scrimmage and take on contact. You need to be able to play, you know, moving backwards and dropping into coverage and man coverage reps against really dynamic pass catchers like Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, right? I mean, there's just so much on your plate in terms of how you're challenged, in terms of your range, but also think about like RPOs. Think about read option. Think about play action. Think about uh, mesh concepts and flooding the middle of the field. I mean, it's all designed at putting linebackers in conflict. And whatever you do, we're going to do the opposite, and you're going to be wrong. You need length. You need mobility to survive on the second level of today's NFL. And Parsons is the total package, 6'2", 245 pounds, total freak athlete, a plus athlete, one of the better athletes in the class. And he gives you that physicality. He gives you that ability to take on contact. He has a number of ways of beating blocks, and he's a sharp processor. I mean, he's a high-level linebacker prospect. And we saw Devin White go in the top five. We saw Roquan Smith go in the top ten. I mean, the valuation of linebackers is changing, and Micah Parsons could be the best of of all of them that have come out in a while. And there's been some been some good players entering the league at linebacker, but Parsons is, uh, you know, he's in a tier of his own in my view. Should be a top five pick. I mean, you think about some teams early on that could be picking, um, 
you know, that don't that don't have a need to draft a quarterback. I mean, team like the Giants, if they're you know, they're gonna roll with Daniel Jones. I mean, they'd love to have Parsons. The Miami Dolphins, uh, you know, they got their quarterback in Tua. He'd be a great fit. Um, I think the Bengals should be looking at Penny Sewell or Jamar Chase, but you know, I mean, you can't argue with a player like Parsons and his his what his talent, what he brings to the table, and how he fits modern day defenses to attack modern day offenses. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver from Minnesota, has declared for the 2021 NFL draft and opted out of the 2020 season. He is the number 27 player on our 2021 big board entering the season. Um, we like Bateman a lot. Really outstanding route runner. He has an elite release package, knows how to get off the line of scrimmage, knows how to beat press coverage, smooth, wonderful ball skills, and and really outstanding hands. So, I mean, you talk about being able to run routes, get open, catch the football, attack it in the air, win in contested situations, create space. I mean, he does all those things, and he's pretty smooth after the catch. I mean, this guy averaged over 20 yards per catch in, in 2019. And, uh, you know, he's, I mean... He really, a 6'1", he's got good size. The one knock on him, and I have air quotes going right now, is that he's not super explosive. And I'm here to tell you that that's okay. You know, I think most people expect Rashad Bateman to run in the 4'5 range. You know, 4'5", 4'5", something like that. We don't think he's a 4'4 type athlete. Again, that's okay. Let me tell you about the receiving leaders in the NFL last year. The top 10, let's talk about who they are. And what their 40 time was. This is wide receivers. Number one, Michael Thomas, 457. Number two, Julio Jones, 434. Chris Godwin, number three, 442. Devontae Parker, number four, 445. Keenan Allen, next at 471. Kenny Galladay, 450. Amari Cooper, 442. DJ Moore, 442. Jarvis Landry, 458. New Hopkins, 457. Five out of 10. 50% of the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL last year in receiving yards ran 4.50 or slower in the 40-yard dash. The average, how about this, the average of those 10, you tack all of the 10 40-yard dash times, you average them together, you get a 4.50 on the dot. So it's okay. It's okay if he runs a 4.55. It's okay if he runs a 4.57. I mean, that's what Hopkins and Michael Thomas run. Michael Thomas led the league in receiving. You know, so let's not let's not get hung up on these forty times. You know, if it's in the four fives. Now, look, it can be too slow if you start getting into the four six five, four seven range. I mean, now you're now you're getting you're pushing the envelope here, right? I mean, like Keenan Allen, a four seven one guy, but you know, most of these guys are in that you know four four five to four five seven range. You know, you don't want to push those boundaries too far. But if Rashad Bateman runs in the four fives, that's plenty fast. And he's a really technically refined football player. Should hear his name called in the first round next April. Of course, the the first one to declare early for the draft was Caleb Farley, cornerback from Virginia Tech. He's the number nine player on our big board entering the season. This is one of my favorite studies from over the summer. Um, I took a deep dive into Caleb Farley, and you know, I did the background, and I learned that he was a high school quarterback. He started his career at Virginia Tech as a wide receiver, and then flipped over to corner. And what I appreciate so much about this player is that he doesn't look like a guy that's not been playing the position his entire life. Super technically refined. Knows how to, to 
mirror routes. I mean, just understands where route stems are taking him. And there's times where he's in those breaks simultaneously and even before the receiver is. I mean, he caps routes very quickly. You know, 6'2", you know, 200 pounds, good size, good length, ridiculous speed, really quick twitch in terms of, you know, overall, but even for a guy of his size, you don't expect guys to be that twitchy that are 6'2", over 200 pounds. Um, physical and press coverage, you know, I wish I saw more press coverage reps, to be honest with you, but, you know, from the reps that I did see, I felt very comfortable about where he can perform, you know, good and off man and, you know, very good in zone coverage. I mean, he's just a scheme transcendent player with outstanding physical gifts, um, outstanding coverage instincts, ball skills are there. He led the ACC in pass breakups last year. And he's just, a, I mean, he just checks all the boxes. And what I love about him is you can match him up with any receiver and he gives you a chance, right? If you want to test him with a big X receiver, an alpha type guy, he's got the the skills to match up. If you want to give him a twitchy guy that can take the top off the defense, he can run with those guys. Do you wish he was a little bit more assertive as a tackler against the run? Yeah, you sure do. But um, I'm not going to let that sway me too much because what's most important for cornerbacks and how is how they cover. And he's got top tier coverage traits. So, so far, we've got three. Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver from Minnesota. And, of course, Caleb Farley, cornerback from Virginia Tech. And uh, three logical decisions at this point. Three guys that I think will go in the first round. And I guess the intrigue is that every time we see a guy declare, you know, it's followed with some insider buzz that, well, this is just the beginning. There's a whole lot more coming. And so, you know, I'm anxious to see how far this extends and who declares and, you know, if we start to get some names that we don't expect, but uh, as they come through, we will be sure to cover them here for you on Draft Dudes and, of course, on the draftnetwork.com. I had a question that was asked of me for my Twitter Tuesday podcast with Locked On Bills. You guys probably know I host a daily podcast on the on the Buffalo Bills, Locked On Bills, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, just like Draft Dudes. And I thought it was a good discussion point to bring to this audience as well. And I'd like to hear some of your answers as well. So I'll give you mine, but hit me up on Twitter, at the Joe Marino. Let me know who your picks would be. And the question that I received was, which non-quarterback injury would be the most significant in the AFC and in the NFC? And so I, I really thought hard about what my answers would be. And I came to two that I think are the right answers. And I'm anxious to get some feedback here and see where you guys fall on this. So again, hit me up on Twitter at the Joe Marino premium Slack members. Make sure that you, uh, you know, let me know what you think here. And I'd love to start some discussion in the premium Slack channel as well on this. My pick for the most significant AFC injury. That's not a quarterback is Derek Henry running back for the Tennessee Titans. My initial reaction to me believing that was that I felt disappointed in myself, right? That I would pick a running back and I would sit here and try to tell people that the most important non-quarterback in the AFC is a running back. Because I don't believe in paying running backs. I don't believe in it. I don't think they should have paid Derrick Henry. I don't think the Saints should pay Alvin Kamara. I don't think the Panthers should have paid Christian McCaffrey. I don't believe you should do that stuff. But Derrick Henry is different. And let me tell you why he's different. Again, I think it was a mistake to pay him. But this is the identity of the Tennessee Titans. This is what they want to be offensively. They want to be a power run offense with big, nasty offensive linemen and Derrick Henry, the freight train, behind it. 
That's what they want to be. It is their football team. They will, they will go as far as that will take them. So I wouldn't have built my football team that way, but they did. And last year, this got them to the AFC Championship game. Lost to the, the Chiefs by like nine points. They won two road playoff games at New England, at Baltimore, to get to the AFC Championship game. Riding Derrick Henry and this power run game. Well, have you taken a look at who the Titans have on their depth chart behind Derrick Henry? Darrington Evans, third-round rookie out of App State, more of a shifty scat back, not a downhill between-the-tackles runner, nothing like Derrick Henry. Somebody named, somebody named Dalen Dawkins is their RB3, and somebody named Kari Blassingame is their RB4. They have done nothing to make sure that if Derrick Henry goes down, that they can pick up the pieces with some semblance of a power runner. I mean, if you're going to go all in on this Derrick Henry power run game, have a backup, right? Like, I, I am just, I am, the Titans have a very good roster in terms of their starting 22 players. I think it's really good. And I think they have really good depth in the secondary. I mean, unbelievable depth in the secondary. Nowhere else on this football team do I think they have good depth. Not at one other position. Literally, outside of corner and safety, the depth of the Tennessee Titans is terrible. I think they're playing with fire with the depth of their football team overall, but especially at running back where there's no bell cow that's even 20% of Derrick Henry on the depth chart in case he goes down. And let's not act like Derrick Henry, who has tons of carries dating back to high school, you know, is a spring chicken that there's not a chance he'll get hurt. I think that's a foolish mentality. So I think Derrick Henry is my answer in the AFC. In the NFC, I'm going with Michael Thomas, wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. I love the the decision that they made to bring in Emmanuel Sanders. You know, giving them a real number two receiver because I don't think they've had that in a while with the Saints. I mean, look at last year. Michael Thomas goes out, catches an NFL record 149 passes. The next highest total from a Saints receiver in 2019, Ted Ginn, 30 receptions. Michael Thomas, 149, Ted Ginn with 30. No other Saints receiver outside of Ginn and Thomas had more than 18 receptions. Emmanuel Sanders was a great pickup for that offense, and he'll be wonderful number two to Michael Thomas. But if Michael Thomas goes down, I mean, that passing game is funneled through Thomas, right? Like, that is their guy. I think that would be a devastating blow to the Saints and them having the caliber of offense that we expect them to have that makes them a contender. So, Derrick Henry in the AFC, Michael Thomas in the NFC. Let me know your picks. Hit me up, at the Joe Marino on Twitter. Also, premium Slack members. Let's talk about it in the premium Slack channel. Let's close out today's podcast by going back to takes on takes. There were some good ones that we weren't able to get to on the live stream from Monday night for the Tuesday podcast. And I wanted to take a moment and look at some of these because there were one, two, three, four good ones that I hated that we couldn't get to. So let's let's do that right now. Um, the first one comes from 
lose for Lance in premium slack. He said, take Minnesota makes the playoffs last year. If they had recruited Trey Lance instead of Tanner Morgan. Now this is pretty fascinating to me because Minnesota had a, had a good year last year. It, this was a team that went 10 and two in the regular season last year, won their first eight games, excuse me, nine games, beat Penn State. Then they lose to Iowa by four points, 23 to 19. Tanner Morgan threw for 368 yards in that game. <laughs> but I think that Trey Lance uh, would have probably been a difference maker there. Then they lost to Wisconsin 38-17. to I think they'd have a much better chance of beating Wisconsin. Now, if they win one of those two games, they have a chance to go play in the Big Ten championship game. And who knows what would have happened against Ohio State. That's where I get hung up a little bit. I don't think Minnesota with Trey Lance beats Ohio State. I don't. So I I think highly of Trey Lance. I think that gives them a good chance of being undefeated in the regular season. I'm not fully convinced that they beat Ohio State. And if they don't beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game, they don't go to the playoffs. But yes, I do think that Trey Lance could have made up the difference in losing to Iowa and certainly gives them a much better chance of beating Wisconsin. Dan says the Detroit Lions will have a better offense in 2020 than the Denver Broncos. This is a good take in terms of like for discussion purposes, and I can see where he's coming from. I love Denver's football team. I love what they have brewing on offense. KJ Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, uh, Jerry Judy to go with you know Drew Locke. The same offensive line is back. I know Jawan James opted out, but Elijah Wilkinson was their right tackle last year. I guess he'll be the same this year. They add Lloyd Cushenberry uh, to the middle there from the draft. They have three good running backs in Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, and uh, Royce Freeman. And you know, you think about taking advantage of the elements of uh, Mile House Stadium and being able to wear teams out with your, you know, your run game late in football games, and you've got plenty of talent in the passing game to to score points but my concern with Denver is that you have developing receivers around a developing quarterback in Drew Locke so do we really think that it all comes together with the circumstances of this offseason right like Drew Locke is entering the season as a starter for the first time he was not that last year he started five games and you know Joe Flacco was the guy that they were counting on early on last year. He didn't really take the offseason as the guy. And now he's got this young cast of weapons around him that are very talented, but I just think it's going to take some time. Now you look at Detroit, a team that I'm not high on either, mostly because of the defense. You got Matt Stafford who's definitely a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. You have legitimate depth at running back now cuz you have DeAndre Smith, you Swift, excuse me. You have Carryon Johnson, Bo Scarborough, you got a legit top, I don't know, I, I like like their f- top four receivers. You got Danny Amendola, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, and then you also have Quintez Cephas, who I think is, I think Quintez Cephas is going to be a good player. He was overlooked because of the legal stuff that got dismissed, but I mean, that guy is an absolute dog. He blocks his ass off. He's dynamic at the catch point, 
and he's really physical, and he's a good route runner and knows how to get open. Like, I know he's not super explosive, but like the everything but explosiveness he has. I don't love everything about this offensive line, but it's adequate. You know, TJ Hawkinson should take a step forward in year two. I'm in on this take, Dan. I think the Lions will have a better offense than the Broncos in 2020, and that is not a disrespect to the Broncos because I like what they have. I just don't think it comes together this year. Joey says Clyde Edwards Hilaire will get close to 250 touches and 1,500 total yards and double-digit touchdowns. Absolutely. All the way in on this. I think Clyde's perfect for that offense. Um, Damian Williams has opted out of the season, so there's a clear path for him being the guy. I just think the skill set is just too perfect, right? Like, he catches the football so well. He's a great route runner, and he's really good in terms of vision and contact balance. I mean, he is going to feast on light boxes because Kansas City makes you account for so much, and this guy's gonna he's got he's gonna eat. So yeah, give me give me fifteen hundred total yards and and at least ten touchdowns for Clyde Edwards Hilaire this season. My pick for rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Halil's real football talk had a couple for us. UDFA Joe Bocci will start for the Saints at Mike linebacker as a rookie. I don't know about that. I mean, I think that linebacker is a concern for the Saints. I like that they added Nigel Bradham. Demario Davis is still on this football team. You still have Kiko Alonso. You still have Alex Anzalone. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think he's, I think Bocci's kind of a limited player. I think that they will they will go with some combination of those other guys. And of course they're gonna be in sub a ton, right? Like they've got Chauncey Gardner Johnson as this sub type player. They're gonna have two backers on the field. I think those two backers are gonna be Davis and Nigel Bradham. The other one from Hillil's real football talk is the Chargers will have the worst wide receiver three in the league in twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably pretty fair. I mean, it's it's Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, which is a really good top two, but then like your wide receiver three is Joe Reed, a fifth-round rookie for Virginia, who I like, but, you know, he's a rookie from Virginia from the fifth round. Like, What can you really expect from him in year one? Darius Jennings. Uh, the Falcons also don't have much to write home about at wide receiver three. It's going to be like Russell Gage or Laquan Treadwell, maybe Lamade Zacchaeus. So I don't know. I, I think I think the Chargers may take the cake here, but the Falcons wide receiver three situation isn't great either. And I haven't really like went through the entire league to really think about what my answer is here. But when you said Chargers, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I, I thought about uh, Atlanta as well, who doesn't really have an answer at wide receiver three either. But as I kind of look through, you know, I'm looking at all the teams, like the names of the teams. I'm not finding anything that I think stands out at least from, you know, just kind of glossing over it that's worse than L.A. Chargers or the Atlanta Falcons when it comes to wide receiver three. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today. Hopefully Kyle gets his power back on very soon. I I can only imagine how frustrating that is. I mean, it's pretty warm this time of year. Guy's got no A.C. He's probably got food in the fridge he's got to deal with. He's got a pregnant wife, so... Uh, well wishes, positive thoughts and prayers for Kyle and, and all of the uh, the Mid-Atlantic that was affected by the storms yesterday. 
and uh, hopefully they can get power soon and Kyle can resume his normal grind. But uh, until that happens, I'll steer the ship here on Draft Dude. Certainly hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, make sure that you rate, review, share, subscribe the podcast, and we'll catch up with you again tomorrow.